Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 132. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan are with me to discuss who they are backing at the 2020 US Open, which is being played at Wingfoot this week. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Good morning. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. We are over 5,500 members strong. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. We produced a US Open show that went out yesterday, so check that out at the YouTube channel. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm putting out a plead here. If you could bring us, I mean, we're going to have a huge, huge uh, listenership this week, so welcome to new listeners. If you could spare us the time to write us a, a, a five-star preview that or review, that would be absolutely fantastic. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. I've got a couple here. This one is uh, it's an Irish flavour to this one, Barry. Uh, it's entitled Donegal Golf Betters, five stars. We would like to say thanks from the three Irish pod- these three uh, Irish podcast listeners. Your predictor model and the course description has changed our view on how we bet on golf. Before, it was a shot in the dark, but now we can make a more informed decision on who we back, even though, like Barry, we have a soft spot for our man, Seamus Power. Thanks again from <laughs> the Bunkrana Trio. Bunkrana? Yeah, uh, I know it very well. It's uh, a friend of mine uh, lives up there. It's not too far from Ballyliffin, which uh, had the Irish Open, mm. uh, which Russell, Russell Knox won that one, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's a good spot. Very, very pretty part of the country. Well, the Bun- uh, the Bunkrana Trio, Barry, they're thanking us for the great job that we're doing, informing them about their golf betting. And that's what we're all about, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And then it's uh, it's up to the end user like me to, to make a mess of that information or try to or, not make a mess of that information. Yeah, yeah, or, or just completely ignore what we say and go with something completely different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you to Jack Call 7935 for that review. I've got a second one. Great content that differs from the usual stuff. That's the title, Four Stars. I enjoy the podcast. It is humorous as well. My biggest complaint, we've got a complaint, guys. Hold on to your seats. We, but we always take we always take complaints on the chin. My biggest complaint is Paul. <laughs> was that it? No, I mean, there is, that. no I, explanation. I, I just put that pause in there just to wind you up, really. Oh, My biggest complaint is Paul. When he speaks into the microphone, it sounds way too loud when he initially talks. Also, at times, he fades into a very soft tone. And then it becomes hard to understand him. That is from Tommy G. And uh, Tommy G7... One nine zero, and he is in the United States of America. What can we do, Paul, to make you? What can we do to make you quieter when you start talking and louder when you get into your kind of flow? 
Well, perhaps I just get a bit overexcited at the start of a sentence and then kind of drift away into a, uh, well, like that, yeah. a monotone afterwards. Um, I don't know. I, we, we've, yeah, I guess uh, technology-wise, we've always been a bit primitive. We've talked about how we might improve Upgrade. what we do, yeah. get some better equipment, because um, as soon as Steve or I or Barry starts swaying around or moving as we're talking, which you can get a little bit exuberant with our thought processes and descriptions and then... You start talking away from the microphone and suddenly no one can hear what you're saying. So, yes, I think there's, there is a very valid point in that. And thanks for the feedback because um, it is useful if you guys can actually hear what we're saying. So, uh, taken on board. We are, we yeah, we're not, one, we're not a set of guys that don't read out negative feedback or don't take on board what people tell us. And uh, we're very aware that we need to update our equipment, but equipment costs money and blah, 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 blah. But we are, it is a work in progress. And um, we're just very pleased that the podcast is so popular and it's growing so so exponentially. So thank you to all of you that take time to leave us reviews. We would love some more this week. So if you could do that for us, that'd be fantastic. Right, I'm not even going to discuss last week, even though... I was slightly frustrated that Harry Higgs didn't win for me at eighty to one, but he gave me he gave me a good run for my money. Yeah, that was did. a good, good week by Harry Higgs. Played mm. nicely, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's a talent. I think he's a kind of guy that can win on the on the PGA Tour as well. Bit of a character as well, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah. he, he looks looks like a looks like a good guy to keep an eye on over the next uh, next few mm. weeks and months he, and years. Easy guy to root for. Yeah. Just, yeah, just has that vibe. Just has that vibe about him. Really, yeah. he was. Uh, cool, did, did a uh, no laying up had yeah. him on their show there last week, and it was you know good, entertaining listen, and yeah, it just makes the guy even more likable. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. Very good listen on the no laying up mm. podcast, Harry Higgs. Mm. A good week for you, Steve. Good, good place with Harry and uh, Sam Burns. Also got yeah. you a, a decent each way place as well. I know that there were there was there was a smattering of Stuart Singh out there at two hundred to one, but it was absolutely nowhere near a bloke that hadn't won since Turnbury two thousand and nine. I was actually talking to my wife this morning. She gets so bored with me. I actually said that Stuart Singh, Paul, and I went to that Open at Turnbury with our long lost friend Dave Power, and um, that was the last time he won. To mm. show he really was it so over twelve years. Yeah. Class act in his day, wasn't he, Stuart Singh? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and now he's got uh, almost well, it's three years effectively, isn't it? No worries on the PGA Tour. He can set his own schedule. He hasn't got to worry about anything. Just get into whatever. That'll take him right up to the yeah. That'll take him right up to the seniors, I expect. Was he forty-seven? Mm-hmm. Forty-seven. Yeah. yeah. So what? What? What a timing, you know? Yeah. With, like, yeah. Amazing. Twenty twenty-one Masters. Here we come, Stuart Singh. There you go. Mm. U.S. Open winged foot. Now I'm not going to go into the course detail. Um, Barry and I recorded a in-depth podcast, which is podcast number one thirty-one. So if you want to listen to that, and um, we go into really t- um, tight detail about winged foot and what the challenges are, um, I would direct you to that research podcast, and it's doing some fantastic numbers. So. Um, Get involved with that, listen to that, and that, again, will help shape your selections. But we're going to focus more today on who our actual selections are for this US Open at Wingfoot. Now, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to take you through our predictor model. 
We have a predictor model at Golf Betting System. It's completely free of charge to use. There, are, there is no paywall. You can use it as many times as you like, and I used it for a good half an hour yesterday morning to just get a feel for who I think could go well this week statistically. Uh, one thing, I'll read through the top 10. One thing that is absolutely clear. Now, clearly we are a UK-based uh, podcast and website at Golf Betting System. And over here, the best balance of odds and additional each-way places is undoubtedly William Hill. They are nine places each way of 50 odds. And where you are getting the likes of a Paddy Power or Boggle Sports at 10 places, and of course, that's a, that's a great uh, pr promotion as well. What you're getting with William Hill are just, they are dominating on price. Absolutely dominating on price. So, across the 10 on the predictor model, I'm seeing them best price on all 10 players right now. If you haven't got a William Hill account and their golf betting proposition has become a lot stronger since the resumption of the PJ Tour back in June... Uh, we have got a golf betting system, a new sports book offer for new customers. It's bet £10, get £40 of free bets, where usually it's a bet 10, get 30 proposition. Um, it's ex exclusive to GBS this week of the PJ Championship. Register, you need to register with a mobile phone or a tablet device to get this deal. And also you have to use the promo code W40, that is whiskey 40 to get that bet £10, get £40 of free bets, which in the in uh, the Republic of Ireland is bet €10, Euro, get €40 Euro of free bets. Don't forget, you have to register via your mobile or your tablet. Use the promo code W40. Full terms and conditions available at Golf Betting System. Top 10. I've got 10. Justin, Justin Thomas. He is 14 to 1 with William Hill. Nine places each way. Uh, nine is Rory McIlroy, 16 to 1 with William Hill. Eight is Bryson DeChambeau at 25s. Seven is Xander, 16 to 1. Six is Paul Casey, 55 to 1 with William Hill. Top five. Five is Patrick Reed, 35 to 1 with William Hill. Four is Webb Simpson, 25 to 1. Three is Tony Finau, 35 to 1. Top two, you won't be surprised. They're the two best players in on current form by quite a distance. Two is John Rahm at 10 to 1 with William Hill on those nine places. Dustin Johnson, the world number one. 2016 US Open champion. Dustin Johnson is a 17 to 2 favourite this week. William Hill, nine places each way. Mm. Now, that's a good intro in, I think, guys. I'll come to you two. You can't really argue with a lot of those players in that statistical model. No, no. The top two, um, clearly the top two in the betting as well. And they, yeah. Statistically, they make the most sense, don't they? Um, interesting, the likes of uh, Paul Casey in there, and uh, Casey's always one of those ones you got to have a little look at at major. But um, I, I can never quite don't do it, people. The, uh, <laughs> I can never quite pull the trigger. But statistically, he's always uh, he's always a strong player to, to to look at. And again, interesting that he found his way. And I think he was sixth in that list you just read through there, Steve. Yeah, sixth. Yeah. Mm. I can't yes. bat. I can't bat Paul Casey. No, no, no. I think you you, you must have you got a big post-it note on your wall saying "Do not put back Paul Casey, a major champion." Yeah, Ryan Palmer's in there. There's there's a few. Uh, Ricky Fowler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Barry. Um, yeah. You kind of have to feel a bit bad for Casey because generally it was his own fault that he didn't win tournaments. But the PGA Championship, he played brilliantly he did, and just yeah. and just got done by Morikawa, who just played yeah. that little mm -hmm. bit better. So. You know, there's there's one in the D 
didn't mess up Colm for Casey, but there's just been a history of him not winning. Yeah. And uh, does yeah, that, that change at his age? I'm not so sure. I mean, you, I suppose you could have said the same about Henrik Stenson at the Open, but the Open is a very specialised. I was talking to Paul off mic before you you arrived, Barry. This US Open for me, or the US Open in general, especially on a traditional US Open course, I'm not talking about an air in hills, you know, all this rubbish that they pull together with Mike Davis, but on a traditional hard golf course, a US Open setup, I think that in terms of rank, in terms of specialism, the Open Championship ranks number one and the US Open ranks number two. You need a certain set of skills to be able to win both of those mm. tournaments. PJ yeah. Championship, PJ Championship to me is just you know it's just bang it as far as you can. It's just a, it's just, that to me is a is the major where there are you know a lot more players could win a PJ Championship. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I yeah. think I, I think the US Open might ask the most questions of a golfer's game of of the all round game. I think you could go. I think you could. Maybe get through an open without one part of your game on its max, you know. Um, but the U.S. Open, and particularly this one that we're looking at, uh, seems that if you know not all parts of your game are on song, good luck to you. I mean, you you might not even make the cut at that rate, let alone be you know sneaking into something. I'm going to come to you two first. I'm going to work this differently to how we usually do this, where we normally start with the short prices and out. I'm going to work in. Now, my preview is available in the description box, Golf Betting System, for my preview. There is a research preview that is absolutely packed full of information, trends, course info. I refer you to that as well. So two individual um, uh, documents available at Golf Betting System. We've got loads of statistics, US Open form, combi form stats where we've got current form against US Open form. There's going to be first round leader stats. It's just all available free of charge at Golf Betting System. Now, I want to work our way in. First thing I'm going to do, guys, is ask individually what skill sets you're looking for, what what kind of has shaped your player um portfolio this week and then I'm going to come in from biggest outsiders towards the top of the market so I'll start with you Paul mm. what key skill sets do you think wing foot is going to play to this week well when I've worked through how I've approached this week the fundamental um, point I've looked at I've, I've tried to if you go back and look at um, 2006 how that event transpired, what skill sets were required. Um, you'll see a lot of players hitting a similar amount of fairways in the kind of 45 to 60% bracket. You'll see a lot of players hitting a similar amount of greens and regulations, 60, 65%, that kind of number. Um, scrambling was really important back then. Birdie making, I think Jeff Ogilvy won, I think the number was nine birdies over the course of the week. Yeah. Um, so clearly it was about a grind, it was about um, scrambling, it was about if you're chopping out sideways, getting yourself up and down from 70, 80, 100 yards mm. and, and making a par. It wasn't about going out and making birdies. And I think that creates um, or it demands a certain type of player, a, a certain type of mentality. And um, I think you can get kind of hung up with this. Um, you, 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 we've all looked at the um, the Twitter uh, images and videos of uh, balls disappearing into the rough and 
you know, your knee-jerk reaction with that could instantly be, okay, you've got to hit it dead straight. But the reality is, I don't think anyone's going to get even close to 70-80% of fairways. So everyone's going to be missing fairways. So everyone is going to be either playing some kind of recovery shot or you're going to have to chop out and leave yourself a, a wedge into, into a green and try and make par that way. Um, and that's kind of the angle of attack that I've gone. I, I, I went back and looked at um, proximity to the hole from 75 to 100 yards, both this season just finished and going back to the previous season as well. Yeah. And just map, mapped that against the field to try and get a feel of who I felt um, were going to be able to comfortably get themselves up and down and save part um, in, in those instances and potentially when you've when you've hit a fairway and you've got a chance to make a birdie with a, a short um, short club in the, in the hands um, can actually get one of those rare birdies that are, that are out there so that, that was one of the key angles that I particularly looked at Poana um, we looked at the, the, the Poana greens the greens in general are going to be one of the, um, the real stars of the show which um, I know you touched on with the preview yeah. pod um, but Poana again um some players thrive on it. Some players just absolutely don't get on with it. So um, cross-referencing, Poana Greens, players who can handle a tough technical test and also this kind of key, for me anyway, 75 to 100 yards stat um, was the angle that I took to, to try and whittle the field down. Okay. That's interesting. Just to confirm, this was firmed up yesterday. The Greens are 80% Poana, 20% uh, Ben Grass. So they're poa poana predominant. What about you, Barry? What what kind of lines did you take on this? Yeah, I was just about to like just a Paul mentioned poa as like the end of his thing. I was just about to say from the videos I've been looking at, they're the prettiest and smoothest looking poana I've ever seen. Mm. So now that you say there's a bit of bent grass in them, that maybe that yeah that all kind of lines up and makes a bit more uh, sense to what my eyes are seeing. So. I mean, maybe they won't be as extreme as uh, some, you know, just pure Poana. I, mean, I was watching um, a bit of the 2006 final round last night, and some of the movements the balls made on the greens on Sunday were absurd. It was like they were on a remote control just to, like, deviate them right or left offline. They were clearly hitting... Um, pretty severe imperfections in the greens. I, I just don't think we're going to see it to that extent here this week. Um, a lot of what Paul said kind of came into what I was looking at. And, you know, I had quite a large focus on short game. There's just, you're, it's just going to have to be such a, like, you know, on fire part of your game this week. You know, if you can, uh, as Ogilvy was saying on the Fried Eggs podcast there, which was a great listen, always is with Ogilvy, who's saying you need to make that one extra eight, nine, ten footer around, and that's four shots in the tournament, and mm. that's massive. Mm. Yeah. So there's just you know, and that kind of leads into that intangible factor that we just don't have on the predictor model, unfortunately, uh, which is you know grit and grind and determination, but that can also help you just put a line through a few players, you know, if you know that they just kind of wilt in those really tough examinations or those ones that will frustrate you. Barry, um, Barry, t tell, tell the listeners three players that will wilt. <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting. Go on. I think, uh, I think Rory will wilt. Yep. Um, baby factor 
is 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 there as well. But I just think those really tough tests eventually grind him down, and yeah, he could be good for two days or two and a half days. Anyway, one hundred percent. Go and say Bubba Watson. Oh, Bubba Watson. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for that freebie. <laughs> That's two. But you, Paul, you know what the funny thing Paul is, Paul but Bubba will give you a bit of hope because he might actually go fine on the Thursday and everything's going great for six holes on the Friday and then kablamo, you know. <laughs> just Yeah. Go on, yeah. Paul. Yeah, Paul, you Paul, can take chip one in. Now. Chip in for three. Do you know, I, I, controversially, I'd probably say John Rahm. And mm. I know he's going to be fancied. And I know he's you know, he was the second, second favourite for the tournament. He was second in the predictor model. Um, I've... I've been impressed with how he has improved his game and he's improved his game in terms of managing his temperament and managing tough situations. But this, I think, is going to be ratcheted up to another level. Yeah, It's going to be, you know, level par this week could well be winning um, in, in that kind of bracket. I think it was six over, wasn't it, when we when we last played here in 20, 2006. Um, for me... John Rahm is improving in that respect, but I still don't think he's going to win this golf tournament. And mm. whether that means he wilts in the, you know, to, to, to going back to your exact question, it's arguable, I guess, but um, relative to his price, that's uh, one player that I would be swerving from that respect. Just, I'm, I'm going to back he's, you up with that. Go on, sorry about it. You go first, Barry. It's just like he's, he's been so good at bounce, his bounce-back ability, though. He seems, you know... He can have these two, three hole stretches, and then he's and then he just seems to go. Ah, for, you know, I'm I'm not dealing with that. I'm just going to go make a few birdies here, and get back in contention. Mm-hmm. He's been like that's a great thing he's added to his game. Like when he used to wilt in the past, he used to just disappear, and now he seems to be able to just get it under control and bounce back. But the, I think the question is whether you can afford to have one of those really gnarly stretches during this week. You know, where you yeah. you, you could go double, triple out of nowhere, and that's it. You know, and you don't have the opportunity to get that back with birdies here. So well, you, no, you then have to play perfect par golf for the rest of the tournament. Exactly the point, I think, is that you bounce back, the option or the ability to bounce back is going to be severely restricted because mm. there really aren't that many birdie opportunities out there. So is your bounce back truly a, a good couple of pars and, you know, stabilisation rather than, uh, you know, continual decline down the leaderboard? Yeah, so not everybody can deal with that. Bounce no. back being pars instead of birdies. They're expecting to get that birdie, you know, from mm. how, you know how they play most of the year long. The blow up from Bryson this week is going to be spectacular. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's going to be a highlight reel of several minutes yeah. long of him absolutely <laughs> throwing the toys out of the pram. I feel a bit bad because I threw Bubba under the bus when it would have been so much easier to throw Bryson under the bus this week. <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to go McElroy, Ram, Bryson of the elite players in this field. They're they're the, they're, they're our fades. Yes, mm. I'll just back you up on John Ram. People will say, oh yeah, but he was fantastic at Olympia Fields. That played as a U.S. Open tough kind of event, and I'd go, eh, well, it kind of did. But when the wind was blowing the first two days, it was firm and it was fast. Ram started 75-71. He was 51st on day one and 39th on day two. And then someone from the PGA Tour phoned up uh, Olympia Fields and said, can you start watering these guy greens, boys? Because <laughs> we, 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 we're getting poor ratings and we need more birdies. And all of a sudden, the, the greens were watered and John shoots 66-64. Now, that ain't going to happen this week. I'm sorry, it might, but I don't think it will. 
I'm still a bit dubious about Rahm under a white. Two things with John. Firstly, he's clearly a fantastic player. I'm not redoubting that. But he's 10 to 1. I'll take you quickly through winning prices of first-time major winners since 2017. Garcia, 45 to 1. Kepka, 45 to 1. Thomas, 45 to 1. Can you believe Justin Thomas, 45 to 1? Patrick Reed, Masters, 50 to 1. Francesco Molinari, 33 to 1. Gary Woodland last year. Hey, Barry, 80 to 1. I know you got him at 100. Shane Lowry, 70. Colin Morikawa, who we were on at the PGA, 35 to 1. I'm not seeing a 10 to 1 in there. But that doesn't overly mean... I just don't think that John Rahm has had a great deal of experience in the white heat of Major Sunday down the back nine. And, and a, a 10 to 1? I agree with Paul. He mentioned this to me earlier. At that price point, I'd be backing Dustin Johnson rather than John Rahm for, an extra, for just two points yeah. difference. This, mm. uh, on the exchange, the, there's very little between the two of them. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Dustin um, Johnson all day. Yeah. If, if, if it was between the two and that, it was just a two-horse race, I, for me, there wouldn't be any question whatsoever. It'd all be on Dustin Johnson. On this course, yeah, I agree. And that these are, I mean, it's not an easy kind of decision to pick between two of the best players in the world, but no. you know, this is the, this is what you have to do to chop the fields yeah. down some, in some way. And that's why um, people you, listen to the podcast. They want people yeah. that tell them their views. Yep. <laughs> that's true. You weren't, you, weren't, you weren't being very harsh on Bubba. So like Bubba's run of uh, US Open uh, results for the last few years uh, going in reverse order from the past. 61, miscut, 32, miscut, miscut, 51, miscut, miscut, miscut. So he doesn't quite get along with the US Open. Mm. It's a safe call. So whether he's 100 to 1 or 400 to 1, he's just, he's just a fade. So sorry, Bubba. <laughs> you know, the, bet I'm seeing, the bet I'm seeing for Bubba Watson right now is 50 to 1 with Bet365 to win the Masters. That's a bet I'd get involved with. But, yeah, I, yeah. but I certainly yeah. wouldn't be getting involved with him at a US Open because Bubba is, turn, his game's coming. It's, it's playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt that he is on the upturn in terms of his form. But as he arrives at a US Open like this, as he arrives at an Open Championship, um, I, it's, he's just very, very difficult to fancy. As he arrives in this kind of form to um, to Augusta, I think I'd be all over him. Absolutely. If they were playing Augusta this week rather than uh, Wingfoot, mm. it'd be an entirely different story. But uh, yeah, I, I, I suggest he's got more chance of missing the cup than uh, than contending. I tell you what, I took from from Ogilvy. I took from. Um... Phil Mickelson, when I looked at their numbers from the t- 2006, these are the skill sets that I've really bunkered down on. Um, driving distance all drives for the season. I've, I've bunkered down on total driving. Lefty was in the top 20 for total driving as he arrived in New York for this in 2006. 22nd for distance, 110 for accuracy, he was. Uh, total In terms of Jeff Ogilvy, he was 26th. He was 64th for distance, so not long, not as long but he was 76th for accuracy. And that's a kind of mix I like, kind of those 60-70s on both distance and on accuracy. So I want a, to- a good total driver. Um, and I'm going very much for where you guys are at. I'm going greens in regulation inside 100 yards because uh, Lefty and Ogilvy are in the top 40 of that category. I'm mm-hmm. going for scrambling from distance of over 30 yards. Uh, Ogilvy was top 60, Lefty was top 10. That won't surprise you. And then these numbers here from 2006, and just looking at the golf course in general, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work this out when you look at the course. 
Um, I'll read this from my actual preview. Now, with Wingfoot in particular, it's also apparent that amongst the three PGA Tour-based players who finished in the top four positions here, Ogilvy, Furyk and Mickelson, all ranked in the top 40 for strokes gained around the green when arriving in New York, and all three were ranked in the top 30 for strokes gained putting. And that's exactly where I'm at. You've got to have short game this week, and you've got to make those... As Jeff Ogilvy said on the um, on the Friday podcast, your game from within 100 yards has got to be top top notch this week. That's exactly where I'm at. So we've kind of gone through our um, how us three or three individuals have looked at this from what we think skill sets are required. Let me come to you, Barry, in terms of who are you backing at some big prices this week in terms of your your portfolio. A bit, like this this is fun. I mean, I'd never usually get down this far in the odds, but you know, I just thought like let's see what we can find. You're going there. deep down, Barry. I deep, am, a deep, deep dive. I mean, I nearly went off the bottom of the page. I'm so low down. Wow. <laughs> so bear with me. I was messing around with the predictor model. I I looked at yours, Steve, and then went, well, that's rubbish. So I cleared yeah, it probably. off. Okay. That's, that's the beauty <laughs> no, of I, it. You I, build I, your I own model. Yeah, I did note one guy that was there and he popped up on another one I did. I went, oh, that's interesting. And another one then. So I was like, okay. He was listed at 600 to 1 on Bet365. I went, oh, that's interesting. So I went, okay, let's go over to my Paddy Power account because I can get 10 places there. So let's see what he is. He was 1,000 to 1. I went, oh my God, I don't care if this guy has like no golf game and only one or two clubs in the bag. You know, he's he's popped on the predictor. He's 1,000 to 1. Anyway, I looked in a little bit deeper and all I needed to see was one one feature uh, of his game that would go happily uh, with this week. And his uh, short game, scrambling short game putting is pretty good on the web.com or KFT or whatever we call it these days. Yeah. And it's Gra- Grayson Sig. Hmm. Thousand to one, 10 places. I'll happily take a little spin on that just for shits and giggles if it loses... <laughs> If if it goes south after one hole, I mean, at least I had a little bit of hope. So the only reason, uh, just to just to be clear here, the top ten in the Corn Ferry all got exemptions into the U.S. Open. So clearly, he's in the top ten best players on the Corn Ferry Tour. And as we know, the Corn Ferry Tour is producing some extremely good players right now. You do go back to players like Russell Henley, and there are far far more that, as even as amateurs or as Corn Ferry players get very close to the top 15, top 20 at the US Open. More than possible. One of one of these could easily ha- you know, could easily happen. I mean, Sig, he's not he's not massively long, but he's not massively short, but he is very accurate. Um, mm. uh, albeit that is on the KFT fairways which are going to be a little bit wider and more generous than uh, this week. But, you know, that helps. Confidence is there, so He's got good all good stats all around for the KFT, and uh, that was good enough for me to just grab a thousand to one. So, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, work, I'm work your way in from a thousand to one, Barry. Give, for us. Listen, listen, we're not done there. There was another thousand. <laughs> oh <to> my <laughs> lord! I know, I know. Well, I was like, I'm down here. I may as well just see what else there is about. You know. <laughs> okay. Um. So Dan McCarthy. Dan McCarthy is uh, he's 16th in driving accuracy on the KFT, 14th in greens and regulation. Putting is okay. Um, you know he's long enough that it's you know 
shouldn't be too much of an issue and that's all you really need to know for a thousand to one shot so he was also a thousand to one so I'll, I'll leave it there and let Paul jump in and see what Paul can uh, mm. can, can he raise the stakes with something a, a little bit I, shorter I, I've, I've not gone quite that deep but interesting names particularly if you're looking at uh, filling up some DraftKings teams if you've yeah. um, you've gone heavy towards the top of the market because these guys are Actually, let me just scroll down while I'm talking. These guys are going to be in that kind of 6,000, 6,100 bracket. I think that a lot of teams will be built with Dustin Johnson and John Rahm at the top, and then you're dealing with sub 7,000 for the rest of your, you know, stars and scrubs. Nice and sick, 6,100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dan McCarthy, yeah, 6,000. So these guys are bargain basement DraftKings players, potentially, and. uh, well, as you were saying, Steve, if one of these guys actually pops in with a, you know, a fifteenth place finish, top twenty-five, that's you'd snap yeah. your hand off, wouldn't you? Absolutely. If, if you're you're filling a team, as you say, with stars and scrubs, and you can get that kind of result out for one of these players at the bottom, mm. um, fantastic. And if he sneaks into the top ten and pays Barry out on each way, uh, each way return, which would equate to what two hundred to one winner. That's yeah. weak sorted. Thanks very much. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Se- season sorted. I, I have a slight preference over Grayson Sig because he's been playing quite a bit recently and has a good old run of results to his name. He went 7, miscut, and then 11, 51, second, and 7th last week. So, you know, Dan McCarthy hasn't been playing. He's only had one miscut for his last, God, how many weeks? Uh, that's all he's played. So there's a little bit more uh, faith in Grayson Sig, let's say. But yeah. 1,000 to 1, whatever. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's, it's fun uh, to have them on. Yeah, and and if they don't uh, if they, if they don't win, then it's, it's no massive surprise, really, is it? We shall see. Well, good luck with those two, Barry. The, the longest <laughs> price that I've gone for is uh, Kevin Strillman at two hundred and fifty to one, and I I was looking at Strillman um, at the back end of last week, and of course, as always happens, um, as soon as you kind of semi made your mind up on a the player, then if they're they're playing in a golf tournament at that very time they're guaranteed to start playing well. So I was watching him over the weekend, getting closer and closer to the lead um, at the Safeway, thinking, well, you know, I I like the fact you show me some form, Kevin, but slow down a little bit because you're just going to absolutely crucify your your price for for the next week. But I did manage to get 250 to 1 with eight places yesterday, which was um, good enough for me. 6,700 on DK as well, which is a nice, again, a nice filler price for a player down that end of the... uh, of the list. What I liked with Strillman is his wedge game. And I'm talking about this stat that I looked at specifically, the uh, proximity from 75 to 100 yards. 26th on that count for the PGA Tour and the season just finished. And third on that stat for the season before. So clearly very, very capable in that kind of bracket. Now, I tend to have Strillman down in uh, lower scoring type events generally. Um, but it's interesting to see he has finished 13th um, on his last US Open start uh, two or three years back. I forget exactly which one it was. Um, that's his best major finish as well. So he's got a bit of US Open form. Can clearly uh, turn his hand to it if and when he needs to. And some sneaky form in him as well. If you ignore last week, because clearly he played well last week. Um, he led the uh, the Northern Trust going into um, after the first day. He shot 64 there. He shot a 66 in round three at the BMW. Um, started slowly last week and then shot 66, 65, 67 to finish third overall at the Safeway. So some nice, very recent form. Um, 
immediately after lockdown um, eased a little bit. He was second at the Travellers and seventh at the Workday. So some nice general form over the last couple of months. And for a 250 to one shot, um, mm. that's good enough for me, yeah. I must say. I like Strelman at a big price. Mm. Played some really nice plan. stuff. He's been mixing it at very high levels as well. Just yeah. like, since the resumption, been at a, a lot of top of a lot of leaderboards. To sneak yeah, a, did, well, who did you back him with? Um, that was Betway. I backed him with uh, two fifty. He was getting backed um, quite uh, heavily along a lot of the bookies, but I think you can still get two fifty out there if you're willing to go down for a few uh, uh, less uh, each way places this week. So or, you got eight places on with that two fifty. Yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad, yeah. Yeah, or there's two hundreds out there with uh, with some extended places. Again, as always in these events, it's um, you know you can kind of pick your pick your poison with it, can't you? You can either go for a longer price and a, um, a fewer each way places, or, or hedge your bets a little bit and take your eight, eight or ten. But uh, yeah, that, that was a nice combination yesterday. So quite happy with that. Now, with my particular preview, I'm hunting the winner. So I've gone for a very um, peppered approach on. 45 to 1 and in prices but if you were to actually hold me against the wall and say Steve give me a price on a good on a player you think might do something this week one player that I've noted throughout the season is Mackenzie Hughes second at the mm-hmm. Honda Classic third at the Travellers sixth at Memorial where Ram won and that was a pretty nasty tournament tenth at the BMW where he managed to get into the top 30 on the with that putt on the last green to get him into the Tour Championship. And the Tour Championship, he finished 7th, if you're just looking in terms of a level approach on the, on the actual tournament. So 7th, 10th, 13th at the Northern Trust as well. Playing some very, very good golf. And we're talking about these around the green strokes game putting numbers, scrambling from distance over 30 yards, huge ranks, 30th for scrambling above 30 yards. Around the green, he's sixth and eighth for strokes game putting. So if you were looking for a major where Hughes could pop up, <coughs> top 10 maybe on an each way or top 20 bets, something like that, I think Hughes, there's there's worse players in the field than Hughes who you're getting at 150 to 1 now with William Hill nine places each way. So Hughes is someone that I would look at. You're in that kind of... Pr- is it you, Barry or Paul? You're in that kind of one fifty range with the pl- one of your selections as well, aren't you? Yeah, I've got another. I've got another one. Have you got another one in that range, Barry? We do. Oh, what a bonus! There's two to talk about. Go for it. Might be the same <laughs> guy. Yeah, it could well be. And um, the guy I've backed is the same guy I backed last year, which is Ches Reevy. Um, one hundred and fifty to one, six thousand nine hundred on DK. Um, and again, he hit hit, uh, hit the each way for us last year. He was third at this very event and then went on to win the, the following week didn't he I forget exactly which tournament he won the week Travellers uh, Travellers yeah that was right mm. and uh, clearly was playing some very nice stuff at the time it, it always tends to be a bit underrated I think uh, Ches Reevy particularly in these events but he's um, a very very accurate sort and I guess if there is one uh, if, there's, if, if getting around this course and minimising mistakes um, can be achieved by hitting as many fairways as possible, then uh, Ches Reevy is going to be one of those players who really can pepper the short stuff. Um, third for accuracy at the Northern Trust. Um, he was first for accuracy last week at the Safeway. Clearly playing some good stuff. Sick for the St Jude in decent company um, quite recently as well. 
Um, and again, going back to that stat that I mentioned before, the proximity from 75 to 100, he's top 30 in that stat for the season that's just finished as well. Um, I Again, at the price, I could find no reason not to stick with Chez for a second consecutive US Open. Um, so yeah, he's, he's my, of the two longer shots that I've picked, he's the other one on my list. His win at the Travellers came on bent grass mixed with Poana Greens. He's also yep. decent enough on pure power, because so, he's got yep. some very strong results at Pebble Beach. So he's, he's a very comfortable Poana player, Reeve. So yeah, I get that, get that completely. I think I know who you're going to say, Baron. Go on, go Jason Cokerag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> Did I say What the hell? Yeah, I have Cokerag backed at uh, 150 to 1. He, yeah, I don't know, there's question marks over him, but, you know, the 150 to 1, he's more than long enough. He has popped in at 11th in your strokes gained off the T rolling rankings for yeah. the last eight tournament window. Yeah, been playing He nicely. is... Yeah, ninth on ninth in strokes gained approach, and uh, yeah, obviously the strokes gained T degree he ranks tenth, so those two combined, and then the strokes gained totally pops in at twenty fourth. So, you know, clearly the rest of his game is not pulling him down too far from the heights that he's at with his uh, driving and approach game. So, he uh, yeah, caught my eye plenty long enough. So if he can get the accuracy, you know reasonable this week or dialed up a notch then he's going to give himself uh, a less stressful week to deal with so 150 to 1 I was happy to take a run at that I also mm. I always think of Cokerag playing very well at uh, Copperhead where they play that really tough uh, Valspar championship you know it's normally 6, 7, 8 under par wins it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Casey's won it twice on the trot hasn't he there but he's a real grinder Cokerag at, at courses like that and also, as we know, he's long and pretty straight off the tee. Yep. So you can see why it w- would work at a US Open. Yeah, it's just going to have a half decent week on the greens, I think, and then uh, mm. he could get close to paying you out, paying you out, Barry. We'll see. Yeah, we shall see. Shall we discuss the players towards the top of the market now? I have gone my shortest price this week. Now, I'll go full disclosure on this because I've been mentioning this in previous uh, podcasts, so it's nothing out of turn for regulars. Uh, pre-event, I am on Patrick Reed at 55-1 to 1 on the exchange, Xander at 22-1 to 1 on the exchange, and I had an aberration and back Webb Simpson at 34-1 to 1 on the exchange. That was my first bet at the US Open. And when I realised what a terrible mistake I'd made and slapped myself on the forehead a few times, I actually started concentrating and backing Xander and Reed. Now, I'll quickly... I mean, so it's obvious two players that are in my betting pool this week. Xander's clearly in my betting pool. And Patrick Reed is also in my betting pool this week. Now... You know, I was mentioning earlier about this mix of total driving and this this really strong all-round mix that we're looking for this week, yeah? Someone with a relatively high ball flight, someone that can draw the ball, we like that. Someone that can scramble from, you know, or has a decent record from inside 100 yards and in. We've got Xander, 
15th for total driving last season on the PGA Tour. He was 14th for driving distance all drives. Scrambling from over 30 yards, he ranks in the top 20 on the PGA Tour. And also, around the green and strokes game putting, 37th around the green, so in the top 40 for that, and in the top 30 for, well, top 33 for strokes game putting. I can't find a, I can't find any kind of chink in the armour with Xander, and we just know that he plays US Opens really, really well. Isn't it something like he's finished in the top seven in all three of his US Open outings so far yeah, in his career? Uh, extremely, um, extremely consistent. Fifth, sixth and third from his three attempts that he's had at the US Open. He was, Very good. He was fifth at the um, Tour Championship for strokes gained uh, off the tee. He was ninth for ball striking. As we know, he shot 15 under, which was the best in the field, beating, I think it was Dustin Johnson by four, was it? Three, I think. But yeah, he was, yeah. he was the best player out there, wasn't he? Rory McIlroy beat by seven shots. John Rahm by six. And JT mm. and Dustin by four shots. And I, I know that the price is 16 to 1. It's not great. Um, you clearly like Xander at 22s, 25s, where he used to be. But, you know, the bookmakers have found him out. Um also, an interesting stat here. Last four winners of the US Open have not won in the season before winning. I thought that was interesting. Mm. And Xander hasn't won since January 2019. And I go into it in full de- detail in the preview. I mean, he's, the amount of close calls he's had and been beaten by the likes of Rory McIlroy when he was on a roll or he's been pipped by um, uh, Brooks Kepka for titles. He's been... Um, he was pipped at the Charles Swab Challenge, and then, of course, you get the FedEx Cup playoffs where he's kind of screwed from the start, shooting at three under. And it's just, it's just a tale of woe for Xander in terms of winning, is, but my God, he's playing well. Is Xander the new Paul Casey? No. The new generation Paul <laughs> He's won far more than Paul Casey has already. <laughs> Let's get it I straight. Just- if Paul Casey ever wins a tour championship, I don't know what I'd do as a penance, but it's never going to happen. Bear in mind, this yeah. guy won the tour championship as a rookie. That yeah. does suggest he's got some talent there. He was the best player at Eastlake. By a mile. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no question there. The fact that he officially has been recorded with the second place finish is just a symptom of the... The, the whole process and the symptom of the uh, the setup for that particular event. He was the best player. He won that golf tournament in terms of being the best player on those four rounds. Yeah. And he, he should be coming into this event with a lot of confidence. And as you say, he's got a cracking record in the event. He's a major winner in the waiting. It's um, it's just a matter of time. So we've got Schofler. Yeah, that just to firm bunk down on those stats. Four, the last four winners had had not won in the calendar year leading up to their victory at the US Open. And seven of the last ten US Opens have been won by first-time major winners. So Xander, you know, he just fits he fits the mould perfectly for me. The other guy that I've had in mind for this for weeks, and, you know, we've already mentioned him, I'm on him at... Um, oh, by the way, Xander is 16 and a half right now on the exchange. The other player, uh, Patrick Reed, my other tip, at 40 to 1, one and a half points each way with William Hill. I've got him at 55's pre-event. He is currently 42. And again, I just... Those top two, it didn't even really need a thought process. Strokes gained um, 
In terms of scrambling from outside of 30 yards, Reed is in the top 14 on the tour. 21st for around the green, 12th for strokes gained putting. He's also in the top 65 for GIR from 100 and in. The thing that was always going to put me off with Patrick Reed is his driving. And as we know, he's very patchy. Sometimes his driving is just absolutely abysmal. And then I noticed his tour championship statistics from a couple of weeks ago. He was first for driving accuracy. And I told you guys, and I was just I was banging my head against the desk in shock. First for driving accuracy at the tour championship. He was second for strokes gained. And he was fourth for ball striking. That is incredible numbers for Patrick Reed. So tie that in with his short game being fantastic. Tie that in with the fact that he's a fantastic grinder. I just found you know the the fact that his long game was on point at the Tour Championship, and that his short game is made for wing foot. He's just, oh, and he he's a predominant drawer of the golf ball, like Xander is. Mm. Just, you just can't ask for better in. No, those those numbers with Reed really do stand out because he's been putting so so well for for months now. It's, it's you know he's regularly been the best putter or very close to being the best putter on any, any given week. But he'd been hitting no fairways and no greens. So to suddenly see that spike in long game form is no, it's not just noteworthy. You've got to got to take some action on it. I, I agree. Reed is a very very good prospect this week and he's never one of those players that's overly fancy because people just don't tend to like him do they and he doesn't pop he doesn't pop in models because he's not consistent no, no, no. Nah. Mm. yeah the swing the swing did look an awful lot smoother the yeah. last uh, the last little while now it's, it's, it's a bit more polished yeah so you, I, I you jumped... said to me that on the, some of the co- coverage you saw at the tour championship on the sunday he was also fading the ball off the tee as well on certain shots, and that when he's moving yeah. the ball both ways, you know he's that that swing of his is that's when he's playing at his very best. Well, that was that was what got me to back him for the Masters. Just seeing him bring that fade in, and he's now getting that fade without the crazy whirly bird follow through. Yeah. So it, that that just says to me he's you know he's an awful lot better uh, place in his game. You know he's got that. He's got that added to the, the weaponry. So, yeah, I, I followed that one, Steve, when you kind of brought it to light and jumped on him on the exchange as well. Um, so we've got Chauflay, we've got Reed. I've got, I've, I know, I don't think the price is too bad. Um, he's a perfect type for the US Open who's been playing abysmally since the COVID resumption. Um, he started the work year well enough. Second at uh, second in Abu Dhabi, third at the Honda Classic. We'll remember that because he was leading by two or three going into Sunday, and then he kind of blew it. That had been his first PGA Tour victory. Mm. Sung Jae Im finished on fire, finished third in the end. But there's no doubt that Tommy Fleetwood, since the resumption, has been playing poorly. Interestingly enough, though, the only time where he's really shined was when he um, was in second place at the PGA Championship after day two. Um, but it was noticeable with Fleetwood. Came back to the UK. He's clearly been working on his swing, work, getting back to where he, what he's good at, which is hitting fairways, driving the ball beautifully, and hitting tons of greens. And yes, it was the Portugal Masters, and we can we can all debate the value of it, and you know. It, 
if you're listening to this in America, you might say, well, it's the European Tour, it's the Portugal Masters, it's meaningless. But I'm not sure it is meaningless because the conditions at Villamora, they played firm and fast, the rough was punishing, and the yep. greens themselves are bent grass mixed with poana. So actually, for a warm-up for a US Open, it was a far, far more effective than a lot of the tournaments we've seen in the PGA Tour for the last three months. Yeah, and it certainly wasn't as simple and straightforward and, and, and birdie-strewn as it has been in the past. They've they've been systematically toughening that track up over the last couple of years. And, yeah. Um, you know, 16 under still won it, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's not a US Open by any stretch of the imagination, but that rough was much thicker and um, clearly he had to play uh, well to get himself into a third spot. I, going back to that Honda... Um, point that you made and the way that Tommy's been playing what I really like with Tommy is that his final round performances have been very strong um, in general over the last however many months you want to go back and look at it he's one of those players you can often start relatively slow but then um, come through with a flying final round and and really push himself into a contending or potentially winning uh, position and with this particular tournament, I think you noted it in your preview, or one of your previews, Steve, this does shape up to the kind of event where you could see someone who um, has a decent final round, um, gets himself sitting into in, in the clubhouse waiting and just watches other players drop by the fall by the wayside. Because mm. this closing finish in this track is pretty brutal. I've got it on a post-it note, Paul. The last six holes were mm. six of the hardest eight holes on the course in 2006. Yeah. And if that's if that's a course that doesn't shout, we could have an off-the-pace winner that gets in the clubhouse and just sits there and watches the carnage. I don't know yeah. what does. Yeah. I thought there was a, there was a, a funny tweet from Benny Ann yesterday <laughs> along those lines where uh, someone had posted their bets and said that uh, they'd backed him in all conceivable markets. And then Benny Ann obviously picked up on that and said, uh, you do realise I've just shot eight over for the back nine uh, today in practice. <laughs> to put a little bit of a dampener on, uh, Fleet, on, on this guy's uh, got this guy's bet. Fleetwood reminds me a little bit of Ricky Fowler. You know, if you've got Fowler five back when he's playing at his peak on a PJ Tour event, like he did at the Players, and mm. all, he, he chases people down, he chases if he's seen weaker players who he thinks he's better than or yeah. a peer of, he can chase you down. Um, I think Fleetwood's exactly the same. If if Fleetwood's leading the US Open going into the final round, he'll start missing two foot putts. But if he's three, four, five back, goes out there an hour and a half, almost two hours before the leaders, can shoot a crazy sixty four or sixty five and just sit there, that's yeah. the kind of major that Tommy Fleetwood's gonna win. Yeah, no, I agree. He's a phenomenal chaser. Like, yeah, point back to Shinnecock where he shot the 63. You got it. Absolutely yeah. spot on. And I can see exactly the same thing transpiring this week, potentially. Yeah, it was yeah good. The, and the Honda, where he had that lead, it, yeah, no it didn't work. Yeah, it needs to be the other way around. Absolutely. It was good, good to see him playing well last week because, you know, that kind of mediocrity from him just doesn't seem to be what we expect for the, from the last couple of years. So it's nice to see him kind of catch a bit of form. So yeah. Just to put... Yeah. Just he could go some, well. Yeah, flesh on the skeleton. Fifth for total driving, third for greens in regulation, third for ball striking last week. That translates 24 for strokes gained off the tee, first for strokes gained on approach, 
Third for strokes gained around the green. Thanks for coming. Very underrated player around the green, uh, Fleetwood. Third for, uh, he was also first for strokes gained T to green. And if I actually look at his numbers for the PGA Tour, where he's been abysmal, he's sixth on tour last year for total driving. <laughs> sixth for total driving. Yeah, I'll take that. And he's also in the top 30 for strokes gained putting. Hmm. So I think US Open it's the per it is the perfect major for Tommy Fleetwood the US Open. So I'm in at thirty five to one. Now I've been gabbling for far too long. Who who are you guys kind of backing in this range of the, of the names that we're you know that are, the listeners are more accustomed to? I've got one, and that's my final bet. Um, I've got I'll, two, and I've also got five minutes left before work comes calling. Rattle <laughs> through right, right, right your two, Barry, and then we'll carry on if, if we need to. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got one back at a at hundred to one. Uh, he's been playing well the last couple of weeks. Question marks over, you know, his ability to win. Uh, they'd be pretty strong questions actually, but it's he's won the U.S. Open before. Uh, on a very different style test, but you know he's got the win under his belt. So, Martin Keimer, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, you know there's there was just things in the short game looking pretty good, which is not usually uh, something we'd associate him with. No. Um, there's just a lot of good things going on in his game, and he's it's 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 kind of a polarized bet in that it'll either be. A, extremely successful or it'll be a complete and utter uh, tank from the very off so there's not going to be I don't think there'll be any kind of middle ground hope for it to, to work it's it's one or the other and it'll be done quickly with either way uh, or you'll know pretty quickly what's happening with the bet for the week so see what happens we've been talking about Martin Kahn for the last two podcasts and um, it would just be the thing where we wouldn't mention him in the US Open podcast and he just pops up and in contend yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. He's definitely improving. I, I'll give I'll give you that much. I, um, I I still struggle with how he he has struggled when he's been in winning positions over the last it's, few yeah. weeks. But yeah, and that's that's the killer, isn't it? Yeah. Just you know whether he can overcome that. What seems like an obvious uh, mental block to getting that win, you know. This, so look, redem- Yeah, we all have a good redemption story. So yeah, yeah, why not that one? Um, Tasty price as well, Barry, for a guy who's clearly playing some good golf. Exactly, exactly. And lastly, for me, I backed Matsuyama last week, and he's just a little bit shorter than that now. But Hideki's been showing some good signs recently. Um, he's popped up with a third there three weeks ago, and other than that, it's just, you know a nice, consistent run of twenties, twenty, you know, thirtieth position. Um, short game and putting have been looking particularly good for Hideki for his standards and yeah. with that um, you know if he can tidy up that long game which you know he finished third and his long game was all over the place so that says that the short game's in great shape so if he can just you know tidy up that long game to a point where we kind of expect him to be at he could uh, he, for me he could definitely feature mm. Just to back that up, Barry, that, that stat that I have quoted um, a few times already, the the uh, proximity of 75 to 100, he is 16, or he was 16th for that stat for the season just finished and 14th the season before. Very mm. consistent, mm. very high up. So 
he featured heavily on the numbers I was looking at as well. So has the power um, recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Can can get himself up and down from that kind of um, gap wedge type range with regularity. He's, so, he uh, was fifth last season for strokes gained around the green. Mm. Barry, can we thank you for your time? Yeah, thank you guys, and good luck to good luck to your bets, and good luck to all the listeners. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, Barry. Best of luck. Have a great US Open. We'll see you again soon. Enjoy the US Open, mate. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers, Barry. That point that Barry raises, that's the kind of statistic and these kind of statistics that puts me off Colin Morikara this week. Mm. Because, yes, total driver, greens in regulation, we get all that. But scrambling from outside of 30 yards, around the green, strokes gain, strokes gain putting, features nowhere. No, and you're going to need to be able to get yourself up and down and save par. And you know your putter can save you to a certain degree, but you you know if you're constantly leaving yourself 15, 20, 30 feet for par, you're not going to make more by any stretch. And particularly on these greens, that they're, they're going to be challenging. Treacherous. So, uh, yeah, you're going to have to have all of those short game wedge aspects firing. I think to be to be in the in the mix this week. Jeff Ogilvy. Um, and Gil Hance, the guy that renovated this course in 2017, both described mm. the greens this week in one word. Treacherous. Treacherous, yeah. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> the, br- the brutal, rough and treacherous greens. Treacherous greens doesn't shout to me players that can't putt. No, no. That's no. just my logical thought process. I, was gonna, I did miss, and I, I actually put some time into this this morning, Patrick Reed in the New York area, okay? He finished ninth at, uh, the, at Ridgewood Country Club in 2014 when he was kind of a you know a youngster. That's a Tillinghast design. He finished 13th at Bolter's Roll at the PGA Championship in 2017, won by Jimmy Walker. He's also won twice in the Big Apple area. The 2016 Barclays, which they played at Beth Page Black, which is where they played the 2019 PGA Championship. Guess what? That's a Tillinghast design. And he also won in New Jersey last year, the Northern Trust, as it's now called, at um, Liberty National Golf Course opposite Manhattan. He has won in the Big Apple area $4.335 million. Would suggest he likes playing on this kind of agronomy and on tough mm. golf courses. Not, not too shabby, that's uh, that, that, uh, earnings haul. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't thought. I mean, I haven't gone to the you know the anally retentive um, level, which I often do, of trying to match that up with other players. But I doubt there's many that have won more than four point three three five million in that kind of time frame around here. No. The last no. of my tips this week. So Chauflay, we've got Reed, and we have got um, Tommy Fleetwood. The last I've seen, and I think he's out had an outstanding season. When I'm looking at these statistics that I like focusing on, 24th for total driving this year, and he's got that mix of not overly long, and he's not, you know, but he's accurate enough and long enough. 42nd for strokes gained around the green, and 34th for strokes gained putting. I wish he could hit a draw, um, but he tends to hit a fade. Um, but that's, you know. It's not to say that faders can't win around here, and it could be a red herring. It could be the old classical Augusta National one where you've got to have a draw, 
And actually, yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah, faders yeah. win regularly yeah. around there these days. No, and, and I think Lefty in one of his uh, interviews said that you can choose to play the holes in different ways. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that uh, transpires. But no, I, I think you could probably get around the track with, uh, with a certain short shape. At the Tour Championship, I was quite impressed with this individual quietly. Bear in mind, it was his first ever to a championship and that shows you the that shows you two things firstly he's completely focused on the PGA Tour and America these days he knows where his bread's buttered he lives in Orlando Florida he's jumped from 32nd in the world to 14th in the world this season with just a whole host of top contending performances and he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational in March this year at, I think it was four under par which tells you that he can grind mm. I was yeah. on board that week at 50 to 1. Made a mental note, for God's sake, Steve, you need to be keeping your eye on this guy at the US Open. Um, in terms of majors in the States, he's finished 10th at the 2015 PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. And back then, he was a young whippersnapper that hadn't, I don't think he'd even won on the European Tour at that stage. Sixth mm. at the 2018 US Open at Shinnecock Hills. That's a genuine, tough US Open. 10th at the 2018 PGA Championship, which they played at Bolter's Roll. That, of course, is a Tillinghast design. He's also had a 5th in 2016 and a 6th at the 2020 Open Championship. Would suggest that he can compete at the major championships. He's also done very well in WGCs. I can remember him going very close in Mexico one year on Poana Greens. And last time out, he shot two rounds of four under 66 at Eatslake. Um, he snaffled a 1.3 million bonus check. He came, if you'd have actually uh, looked at that as a straight race, he would have shot 10 under 270, which was good enough for fifth. And he ranked eighth for strokes gained off the tee, fifth for total driving, fifth for greens in reg, fourth for ball striking. And as we know, he's in that very sweet spot of players that have got the around the green game and the putting game to go with it. So I've gone for Tyrrell Hatton. One and a half yep. points each way at 45 to 1. Nine places, of course, available. 50 odds with William Hill. So to recap for me, Hatton, Reed, Fleetwood, and Xander. Playing some very nice stuff, Hatton. I don't think you can dispute that. And the fact it's gonna it's gonna be kind of northern European, almost British style conditions this week in terms of in terms of weather and wind and and you know Poana in the greens and there's a, there's a lots of lots of kind of point pointed towards the, uh, the Europeans. I must well, say, I've, he, I've backed. Yeah, that's on. that's a that's a fantastic point, Paul. I mean, I was, I've almost forgotten what we were discussing at the start of the show off mic. Mm. These weather conditions, you know, that you know we're we're now uh, you know it's mid morning over in the UK, so I'm seeing for Friday. Um, 15 degrees in the morning Celsius and it's going to be gusting up to 25 miles an hour in the morning a lot of players are going to despise this it's getting as high as 20 degrees Celsius on Friday warmer on Thursday still quite windy up to 15 mile an hour gusts which is more than enough for this golf course Mm. and it's just you know It just feels Northern European, you know, 15, 18 degrees again on Saturday. And again, you've got that nagging 10, 15 mile an hour breeze from the northeast. Yeah. It feels, it feels advantageous advantageous to European players, I think. Yeah. 
it's it's not going to be it's not going to be pleasant, is it? It's going to be it's tough enough as it is, but uh, with this brutal rough and tough greens and bit of wind and firm and fast, it's going to be. Uh, and you're going to have to wear, you know, something warm in the mornings. Everyone's going to be talking yeah. about Tiger Woods' back. Oh, he's not very good when it's cold <laughs> in the morning, Tiger. You can just see all this stuff coming. Yeah. That, I, I do don't, love... that, that, that weather forecast feels a little... I mean, it's not, but it feels a little bit open championship just in terms of temperatures yeah. Yeah. for a start. Yeah, no. Yeah. no, I agree. I do love a good, tough US Open, and I think it's going to be exactly that. And I've backed one other guy who is a former US Open champion, actually. Right. Um, top 10 at the US PGA recently. Um, mm-hmm. Fifth for greens and regulation in his last start. Mm-hmm. Top 10 in each of his last two US Opens. Topped that category that I talked about, 75 to 100 yard proximity. Um, great on power. Good, strong, technical um, form on technical tests over the years. 55 to 1. Barely been mentioned. I'm either missing something very obvious, um, but uh, I couldn't see any reason why Justin Rose was that prize. Mm. As I say, top 10 of the USPGA, so some recent major form. Fifth for Greens Regulation at the Northern Trust on his last start. Yeah. Former US Open winner. Two top 10s at the US Open. Again, it makes... I don't know. I, I, am, am I missing something, Steve? Is there a reason why Justin Rose is fifty-five to one well, in your mind? He doesn't pop models, so our friends the other side of the of the Atlantic can't get their heads around the fact that he, he's not popping in models. And Rose always mm. used to be a ball striker extraordinaire, didn't he? He turned yeah. he's, he's turned recently into more of a Harry Houdini kind of guy, hasn't he? Where he <laughs> just but that works at a US Open potentially. Um, one then, one category he does top. On the PGA Tour, he's scrambling from over thirty yards. He's number one on the tour last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which marries up with this um, this other category I talked about, and and the fact that he did hit some greens on his last start, mm. and that has yeah, he has been struggling a little bit with his irons, but um, but uh, clearly has improved in that respect. Um, you know, just for one event, but often you see these um, golfers who just you know find something um, a stat improves improves further the next time and they can get themselves right into the mix I thought again with the extra each way places on offer um, then a good mid-price player um, I will I will go with what Barry said about Martin Kime with Justin Rose you'll know very very quickly mm. he'll either he'll either contend like he did at the PGA Championship or he'll miss the cut yeah I think Rose is one of those sorts, particularly a major, who can start particularly quickly. He's yeah. got quite a few first-round leader. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting. I, 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 again, I just I looked at it and I couldn't quite fathom it. So um, rather than fight it, I've just taken the price. Take the, take the price and run. I personally, that fifty-five to one price point is interesting, isn't it? I mean, we got we got Woods at fifty to one. You've got Matthew Fitzpatrick at fifty-five to one, who I think has got some real merits this season. Mm, Matthew yeah. Fitzpatrick, yeah, again, he's playing well. He's playing some very nice golf, and you know, I mentioned Mackenzie Hughes earlier, and how Mackenzie yeah. Hughes has kind of just snuck up on tough leaderboards when it, when you know, mm. it isn't all about strokes gained tee to green. Those dirty kind of tournaments that the uh, the models don't like popping for. That's where you get Mackenzie Hughes in the mix. Well, Fitzpatrick is kind of the same. Yep. Second in Abu Dhabi this year. 
Ninth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the one that Hatton won. Third at the Memorial Tournament that John Rahm won. That was a nasty, nasty tournament. Sixth in St Jude and sixth last time out at the BMW Championship where he was outstanding in terms of his fairways hit, his ball striking and his GIR. The only thing that puts me off Fitzpatrick is I don't think ultimately he would be long enough to win this. But I tell you what, I think there's worse bets out there at 55 to 1 on the each way. Yeah, no, and again, you know, it's going back to some of his European tour form. He has won on some longer tracks. He's, he's not the longest by any stretch. But, no. uh, Long enough, probably, can, though. Yeah, yeah, I think he can can kind of get his head around how to play longer tracks and to to make sure that he's hitting enough greens to give himself a chance of getting in the in the mix. A couple of top 12 finishes for his last two US Opens. So I would have just liked 66 about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a price is a bit off-putting. You know, if you were looking at 100 to 1 for Matt Fitzpatrick, you know, it'd, uh, it'd be a very good prospect. I, I mean, if you want 10 places with Paddy Power, he's 35 to 1. That is just ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> but he's playing some great golf, Fitzpatrick, yeah. as long as he can get out of bed on the Thursday and not shoot 77. <laughs> and that's it's, always it's the gamble the with Fitzpatrick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he has some really slow starts. He does. Bit of an odd one with Matt, but uh, that's that's the way he is. Hmm. Apart from that, I think I'm just about done. Yep. Yeah, I think we're there. I think we're there. The uh, just a note on the Portugal Open to Portugal, um, which I am writing immediately after this uh, pod. So that will be out um, during the day on Tuesday once the uh, details and field have been firmed up, and we've actually got a few bookies pricing it. So. Uh, if you want some views and insight into that, then pop along to the Golf Betting System website later on Tuesday and uh, I'll publish my thoughts on there then. Does, does the winner of that get a European Tour exemption? Like a year or something? It's, yeah, it's one of the lowest tier ones. So it's really geared towards the uh, Challenge Tour. So these guys, if they're Challenge Tour players, it's one simple way to get that instant one-year leg up okay. onto the onto the European Tour. So in that respect, it's really important for the kind of lower-grade players to play well on this. And uh, that's kind of where the event's been pitched. Um, so it's a, kind, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a kind of, but isn't, like a PGA Tour alternate event, like a Puerto Rico Open. They're running yeah. this Open to Portugal, yeah? Yeah, this is yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's I mean, it, officially it's co-sanctioned between the European and the P uh, and the, and the uh, Challenge Tour, but it is predominantly lower grade players who are playing. And this is where the challenges come this this week because um, it appears that half of the field was listed on the Challenge Tour website and half of the field was listed on the European <laughs> Tour website, and no one bothered to splice them together. So it's caused some uh, caused some challenges as to who's actually playing. But Quality. Such are the technicalities of getting a golf tournament up and running these days, eh? Well, um, I wish you well for your bets this week. I hope you enjoy yeah, the Open, open uh, the US Open and uh, yep. you pull your Open to Portugal. I know that you are quite confident with the couple for that. So look out for mm. that uh, at the Golf Betting System website, Paul's uh, preview for that. Good luck with your tips this week. Yeah, yeah. best of luck. And uh, best of luck to all of you listeners. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you've made it this far, it would be fantastic to get a five-star review from you. So if you could take 30 seconds out of your day to leave us a review, that would be absolutely awesome. Enjoy the US Open. We'll be back as ever next week for PJ Tour and European Tour action. Goodbye. <laughs>